Hey everyone, this is Chris and you're listening to One Cross Radio. And up front there are just some housekeeping items. I just wanted to say, uh, last Wednesday we crossed 100 downloads, which I know to some other podcasts isn't a lot, but to me it's huge because we're small, we're only on our 10th episode, which you are listening to, so I wanted to take this time to thank y'all for downloading and spreading One Cross Radio. It means so much to me. And I can't wait to see how many more we get and where this thing goes. I also wanted to wish y'all a Merry Christmas and say we are taking a break after this episode uh, for the for the Christmas season and for New Year's. It's a very busy time, so it's even difficult trying to line up people to do the interviews. Everybody's with family or starting new jobs and then doing Christmas stuff. It's just a lot of stuff's going on. So we will be back sometime in January. I'm not quite sure yet, but I'll make sure y'all know. So with that in mind, we're going to kick into the 10th episode of uh, One Cross Radio. And I'm joined by a good friend of mine, a former pastor of mine from Calvary Church, Pastor Daniel Winter. Daniel, hey. how you doing? Hey, Chris. Great to be here. <laughs> thank you for asking me to do this. No problem. And uh, thank you for hosting in your office. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so we'll, we'll just dive right in, sir. Uh, can you share a bit with us about your testimony? Yes, I'd love to. I... Um, grew up in a very interesting home. Uh, my father was a Jew born in Berlin just before First World War. I was sorry, Second World War. And, uh, and so he had to flee for his life as a child uh, to England. And, um, and my grandmother was killed by the Nazis at Auschwitz. Um, to make a long story short, uh, he came to know Christ in England. A man named Ian Thomas, who found a capenry, led my dad to Christ. And then he became an evangelist, uh, went to Bible school in Switzerland. So I grew up actually in the evangelist slash pastor's home. And my, my dad uh, came to Canada. He finally came to Canada after being trained in, in Ireland. And uh, really from the time that I was just a baby, I was actually uh, in church. So I would say that uh, my my bedroom doubled as my dad's study which also doubled as a Sunday school class in the manse next door to our church wow. so <laughs> so I, I heard about Jesus since the time I was really really small but when I was a, a small child maybe around four years old I was at camp and and listening to an evangelist there uh, in a tent meeting um, heard that I was a sinner and that I was lost and that really freaked me out and I actually uh, talked to my parents that night and they explained to me that this was a decision I had to make. They couldn't make it for me, that I needed to um, ask the Lord Jesus to save me. And, and that's what I did. Very simple, childlike faith as a, as a four-year-old. Um, then as a, a, a five and six years old, I ended up in hospital uh, fighting for my life with, with uh, um, interstitial pneumonia and was very ill as a child and um, but the Lord helped me through that and I always had this strong sense even when I was in the hospital room on my own that that Jesus was right there with me then at the age of 11 um, I got baptized I was probably the one of the youngest kids in the church to get baptized um, my dad made me take the baptismal classes with the adults <laughs> and and had to learn all their memory verses and, and everything else. But I, I loved it. And you know what? That was another real milestone spiritually for me. Mm-hmm. It's my uh, baptism at the age of 11. And um, yeah, so that's... But growing up in a Christian home, I started getting involved in ministry at the age of... 15. Wow. Teaching Sunday school. So wow. To kindergartners. So, <laughs> so yeah, so it was, it was, it was a, a real privilege to grow up in a Christian home and very, um, I had a wonderful, wonderful godly dad who mentored me um, in the things of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a big impact. Like you, when you see people who have that mentorship from family where the faith is modeled in the home. Yes. Where it impacts at a younger age. Yeah. Yeah. So, and thank you for sharing that. That was, that was heavier. <laughs> I, that was stuff I also didn't know where I'm like, holy cow, what? So, wow, dude, thank you. Um, so you you, it kind of leads right into this next question. Uh, you said you started ministry. 
like you got involved in the Sunday school ministry when you when you were 15. When did you feel the call to your ministry? Was it around the same time? Yeah, or? it was actually at the age of 16. I was uh, riding my, on my 16th birthday, I got my M license. And uh, I, don't, I don't know how you do that these days. You couldn't do that these days. But I got my M license on my 16th birthday. And I was, I would ride in grade 11. I'd be riding to my high school on my motorcycle. I can remember exactly where I was when I was turning uh, from Division Street onto King Street, uh, going up a hill on my motorcycle where I just heard almost an audible voice. You're going to be a pastor. I did not want to hear that. Um, I was, I had, I already had an idea of what I was going to do when I was older and that was be a high school teacher. Um, so to hear that, uh, I kind of pushed it in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. And then again, when I was about 18 years old, heard the same thing. And this time it was starting to be affirmed through God's people mm-hmm. uh, saying, you know, Daniel, I think God has a calling on your life. And my dad never pushed me into that. He, he looking back now, I can see what he was doing. <laughs> but at the time, he never said a word, but he would take me as a kid on visitation with him to visit seniors' <laughs> homes, and he would ask me to pray, you know. And then one time when I was uh, um, helping lead the youth group, and I was about 18 years old, he asked me to preach. And I just said, I can't, I can't, pre- I can't preach, Dad. He said, well, you do public speaking. And I used to be in a public speaking club. And I, so I said, well, I need some help. So I basically, my first sermon, I know this is called plagiarism today, but I basically used one of my dad's sermons. And, uh, and that's, where, that's where it all started. Yeah. I don't, I don't do, use my dad's sermons. I never did that again. But, um, but that, was, that was the start. Well, there's, sorry, as soon as you said, there's background noise because we're in an office <laughs> next to the hallway. Uh, when you mentioned that, it's just, oh, it's okay. Uh, when you mentioned that, I'm thinking of... Uh, there was a smaller movie called Finding Forrester uh, with Sean Connery, and I can't remember the, the kid's name, and it was a debut for him, and he did great. But the whole thing was was about writing, and for him, the Forrester character was like, here's the first paragraph, take mine, because sometimes you need someone else's words to get going. And then later on in the movie, like the, the evil teacher, because the teacher was evil, um, was like, nope, you plagiarized, so we got a failure. But sometimes that, that does kick it, where it's, you've got somebody else's words, you struggle getting yours out, and then yeah. someone else's words do the job. So for you, yeah. for the first sermon, but after that, you're off the gates and running. That's right. I actually, um, when I was uh, grade two, I started going to speech contests. My mom put me into speech contests. I was the ultimate introvert. In fact, I still call myself a closet introvert. Uh, my <laughs> wife has no idea what that means. But um, so getting up and standing up in front of people and speaking was, would have been a nightmare to me. And yet year after year, my mom put me into speech uh, classes where I, where I actually practice and I would end up um, going on to the finals, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know what? All these things are pieces of the puzzle that God uses um, to prepare you. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, that's interesting that that happens. And the closeted introvert I get where it's, you don't seem it at all. Like I've, I've been here and seen you preach and we've had the conversations and you never get the, the introvert vibe. But now that you mention it, I'm like, no, there's something. So I can, yeah. can definitely understand that. And yeah. I'm not the only pastor. Other pastors I'm sure would be the same thing. Oh yeah. Well, the, the job or the, the vocation, the call, cause it's not like a, nine to five job but it doesn't lend itself to being an introvert (laughs) but yeah uh so you've been a pastor in ottawa and on the border of downtown toronto here in east york and and in in, uh, pickering as well and in pick okay so the pickering i didn't know so what are some of the differences you've seen between those like pickering is a smaller town ottawa is the capital but toronto is like it's it's Toronto. It's, it's huge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are some of the differences? Well, in Ottawa, we were actually in two different locations. So one, we okay. were right downtown, uh, about ten blocks south of the Parliament Buildings, wow. uh, Bank and Gladstone, and it was very much a downtown area that mm-hmm. our church was in. It was kind of similar to what it is here. And, and then we moved out uh, after about five years there. We were there for eleven years. So after five years, we moved to a new location near the airport. So it became very much a different. Um, community that we were we were in 
And so I would say the the big difference, the biggest difference I've seen, believe it or not, Ottawa, we had a, we were in a big church. You know, you could get this kind of feeling that there's a lot of Christians in Ottawa. But to be honest with you, Ottawa is much more unchurched than Toronto is. Mm. And so um, here's an example. Uh, Stuart and Jill Briscoe came one year to speak at our Easter services. And they said to us that on Easter Sunday morning, they didn't see anyone on the roads. They didn't. They said when they were in the hotel, every doorknob had a sign saying, do not disturb. And it was, it was very strange for them yeah. uh, to see no one going to church. Yeah. And so that that's a, a big difference. Um, Toronto, uh, downtown, we, we do have, I would say, a lack of vibrant, um, a lot of vibrant evangelical churches for the size of the population that we are mm-hmm. down here. It's a, it's a very highly, um, it's a densely populated area. So I would say in this part of the city, we probably have a dearth of, enough evangelical churches yeah but definitely on the in the more suburban areas there is some yeah a lot of especially ethnic large ethnic churches and we'll, I'll, I'll probably talk about that a little bit more later mm. and then how was pickering just like at pickering we had it was really interesting when we were in pickering it it was a very um british scottish irish area to begin with dunbarton uh but then um, the about well when I was there, uh, it was becoming very much um, Caribbean community. Okay. So uh, about half of our church was was from the Caribbean. We had twenty, uh, I think twenty different countries represented. Uh, wow. Black or uh, Caribbean countries, and uh, so that was that made for really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Our church we had a, we had a, um, it was a it was a good sized church, um, but but it made it made for some interesting dynamics in the youth ministry. Yeah, <laughs> I was a youth pastor back then. So yeah. Anyhow, but, but uh, that church was great in reaching out to Toronto. So they would have a street ministry van that would come into Toronto, to the Kingston Road Motel Strip downtown, and and we would be taking our youth out into Toronto constantly. This was like our mission field. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, it, as a former Torontonian, I can understand why. <laughs> um, so what are some of the ways that Calvary Church is involved in the in the community? So our, our, our primary way, um, which, uh, which many people know, is, is through our seniors' uh, lodge and manor. So we have Nesbitt Lodge that the church started in the 70s and McClintock Manor in the 90s. Uh, it started actually originally as um, a retirement home for missionaries. Um, but then it, in the uh, last number of years, it's expanded to the community. Mm-hmm. And so many of the people that live there are from the community and uh, some of them uh, have subsidized housing with us and um, it's a great opportunity for outreach in fact I'm in there uh, quite often we have a chaplain also that's that's in there uh, reaching out to people and that it's interesting because the lodge and the manor are actually more well known in our community than our church actually is really so um, you know people will say so where are you located I'll say well we're right next to Nesbitt Lodge oh of course by Pape Station, <laughs> we, we kind of dwarfed by that by them as well, but um, in in the size of the building. Yeah. Um, the other ways we're involved in the community uh, through uh, the Jesus Network at Thorncliffe Park. We have a number of families in our congregation who live in Thorncliffe Park, uh, which is the largest, uh, mo- most densely Muslim population in Canada, wow. um, which is about three kilometers from our church yeah, building. Yeah. And we are the one of the main stops from Thorncliffe Park on the, on the bus route. Yeah, you got the 81 and the 25 going up to Don Mills and then the 81 just does the Thorncliffe route. Right. Yeah. So so anyhow, uh, we have a number, number of families now at our church that are actually there in, living intentionally in Thorncliffe Park, reaching out to the people there. Awesome. So here's an example. Um, this past year at Eid, which is a, a big Muslim holiday, uh, a man from Pakistan who was um, here uh, living in Thorncliffe Park, his, wanting to bring his wife and kids over to join him, his wife was killed in a motorcycle accident in Pakistan. Oh, Two little children were on the back of the motorcycle. Um, they ended up in the hospital. And he was heartbroken, just absolutely heartbroken, because he was here um, to try to help the family and try to bring them over here. And uh, so someone from our church reached out to him 
And, you know, he's been at our church every single Sunday since. Awesome. Uh, uh, he comes to our evening service. He comes and helps up chairs. He just loves it here because people love him. That's great. And they great. accept him. Yeah. And and so in Thorncliffe Park, people are in apartment buildings that are isolated. They feel isolated. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of them come from cultures where uh, community is everything. And so they come here and they're so isolated. So um, one of the ways that families in our church reach out to them is by inviting them over for dinner and and uh it's made a huge impact that's awesome uh so i'll move on to we also have a community dinner that yeah. meets here uh starting in november and it goes all the way through till the end of march and these are people that come out to our church that are kind of i would call them vulnerable people yeah oh well heck i I ran it for like two years. So you know all about, <laughs> yeah, you know all no. about community dinner. Yeah. It's still going strong. Which is awesome to hear. Um, uh, people are people now in community dinner are reaching out to their friends. Uh, many of them, uh, if, if newcomers come in and they're talking during the the the, uh, the message, they'll ask them to stop. They say, please listen to the pastor or whoever is speaking. That's great. And, uh, and so we see a lot of spiritual growth happening. This year especially, we've been seeing that. We've been really praying for these people. Um and so it's been a, a great blessing. They get they come in, they get a hot, nutritious meal every week, made from scratch. Um, and we've been telling them that this is not a government subsidized program. This is actually um, donated by people in the church, and yeah. all the foods cooked by people in the church, and all the volunteers or most of the volunteers are are coming because they love Jesus and they love. And I'll, and I'll tell them this often. I say that we're here because we love Jesus and we love you. And so the first time I told them that, they started clapping. And and they're really touched by that. And so it's just a great opportunity to reach out to those who are struggling. They could be on ODSP. They could be, some of them are even homeless. Oh, yeah. And so uh, the third or fourth area I just want to mention is that we're starting a partnership with a group called Christians Against Poverty, a CAP. Awesome. I don't know if you've heard of them. I've... I might have heard one or two things, but I'm not that familiar with them to be totally They're, honest. I know they are pretty big in Hamilton. Oh, okay, and uh, and they they come here to Toronto. A friend from Mishfan actually might be involved with them. <laughs> and they they uh, anyway, great organization, very strongly Christ centered, and uh, they have five different programs that they run out of local churches. Great. One being a debt center, uh, helping people reduce their debt, especially those are the very and most vulnerable mm-hmm. um they also have like a, a money course they have um uh they have job you know job uh, counseling cool. and all these different types of things so they, we're just starting to have a conversation with them uh, they're coming in in the new year to come and speak to our congregation great and uh, they're great. the they're real experts in this and so they i think they could help us out a lot yeah no well you're it's like we're where Calvary's located, it's at a great, great spot because there are so many vulnerable people. Just right up the road at Cosburn is so densely populated. And when we're doing the food bank and the community dinner, we're seeing like how many people, the options in Toronto because of how much it costs to live here is like, do I get, for those who have homes, it's do I pay for food right. or do I pay my rent? Right. And then so many aren't, aren't being able to qualify for jobs for whatever reason. Yes. So hearing that stuff come in and that that floors me in the in the awesome way. I, I hope that works out great. I I, uh, I was just going to also mention that just in the last maybe six months, a whole number of families have been joining us from those Cosburn apartments. Nice. And uh, um, that just seems to be adding. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it's good. That's great. Uh. How do you determine what to preach about with the church uh, week to week? Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> I, I'm one of those, those uh, people that, that still, and I know this is not as popular today, but I still will choose books of the Bible to preach through. Um, I will pray about it ahead of time. Um, I, I find any book of the Bible, if preached properly, uh, is is relevant to the culture of the day and speak to contemporary issues. And so even I, I went through the book of Daniel, for example. The Gospel according to Daniel. Not, yeah. me, not me, Daniel, <laughs> but, but the book of Daniel. And, and uh, got some great help from a, a, a pastor in the States called Brian Chapel, who uh, wrote a book called that, Gospel According to Daniel. And 
really, if you look at the book, it's speaking to uh, people living in as aliens in a culture uh, who are trying to be faithful to God and um, and all that goes with that, trying to live a, a, a life for, for Jesus or for, for the Lord in, in as exiles. And so when you start looking at the Bible that way, uh, it's very relevant. Yeah. So even, you know, uh, we're going to be going, our next series is called Wake Up Call, and it's from the Minor Prophets. Awesome. And um, there is a lot in there. When you start looking deeply, there's a lot in there that speaks to where we're at today. And so uh, that, that takes a lot of prayer. Um, yeah. And, and discovering week by week, how do you want me to preach this passage, Lord? Some books have been easier. Book of Ephesians, one of my favorites. Um, uh, Book of Colossians. Gone through some New Testament books as well. Um, but but I don't shy away from going through the whole Bible. Cause the whole Bible speaks to us. Well, yeah, exactly. And then, just because I can't pass up the opportunity for the joke, Song of Solomon's going to be... <laughs> Song of Solomon, I really haven't touched yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the interesting... Oh, I, I, I did in, in a marriage class once, but not... <laughs> and then, uh, just for anybody in, uh, who's interested and is listening, what I'll do is I'll make sure that the, uh, the link to Calvary's uh, sermons is hooked up on the post. I know y'all are on YouTube. And I, I'm subscribed to you, so I get the notification. So I'll make sure that link is in the bottom. So if you want to check out the stuff, I highly recommend you do so. Um, so this one's a fun one, and it's the one that you could easily, we both could talk about for hours on end. Uh, are there any resources, the pastors, authors, theologians, uh, that you learn from that you'd recommend for the listener to check out? Here's a good one that I, I use uh, unashamedly, um, and I often don't know what commentaries to buy. Mm. So I will, if I'm doing a book of the Bible, so I go into Tim Challey's, uh website. Okay. Uh, his, his, he has a resource of commentaries that he's gone through that he put, posts, and he, I, trust, I trust that um, he's got a good handle on this, and he really does. And so Tim Challies, if, you ever, if you've never uh, checked out his website, it's a good Tim Challies. I think it's just timchallies.com. Um, awesome. A pastor here in Toronto and, and followed worldwide. Um, so, and he also has amazing articles online as well. Um, so for contemporary pastors, I, I really enjoy him and his, his, he's actually left the pastorate just so he can, he hasn't missed one blog writing in 10 years so oh my gosh. per day so wow he had to find me <laughs> there's a lot of uh, pastors getting help with, with his blog uh, also um but as far as theologians my favorite theologian is actually miller j erickson um who wrote christian theology i think it's in its maybe fourth edition now i have his old old copy it's just completely underlined and highlighted <laughs> and um, i like erickson because he doesn't just give his views but he gives uh, all the evangelical views um, awesome and then he will uh and give the pros and cons for each one so it's, it's a bit heavier book um but uh I, it's been so helpful to me and you know it's really important because as um uh, dr mccray uh, who was at tyndale um used to say is what you think about god is the most important thing about you so your, your understanding mm. of God is the most important thing about you. So understanding theology and understanding who God is is, is extremely important. And it, and it actually leads to worship. It really does. That's great. And so I, I really, I, I know it sounds strange, but reading Erickson and studying for uh, theology exams um, were some of the most worshipful times in my life. Um, so that's Erickson. Uh, I also enjoy the Gospel Coalition's website. Yeah. Uh, I really value the topics and the, the information that they cover there. Uh, uh, Brian Chapel, I mentioned him before, um, pastor, Presbyterian pastor in the States, um, very gospel-centered writer, and uh, I think he might even have a study Bible out. Um, um, Thomas Schreiner, uh, excellent scholar. I have his uh, his commentaries on on First and Second Peter. I think Jude as well, and I really 
appreciate him. He's a very careful scholar and um, um, and speaks to contemporary issues as well. Uh, Carson, Dia Carson, who um, is also alumni of the same school I'm from, uh, <laughs> and and uh, have his commentary on Matthew is I still think it's the best commentary on Matthew. Uh, Daniel Block, um, very very uh, good Old Testament scholar, uh, scholar will make you really think. He has a book, uh, I think it's the Gospel according to Deuteronomy, and probably the number one, it is the number one commentary on Deuteronomy, and the way he reads Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy and explains it is powerful. I didn't even think you could preach through Deuteronomy before. But, no, like, but, as uh, I'm hearing that, I'm like, I gotta check that out, because yeah. I, I did one of those things where or twice I've done it where it's like reading through the Bible in a year. And one of them was just going through book by book, flying through Genesis, flying through the first half of Exodus. And that's that last part of Exodus. And then going into Deuteronomy where you're like, this is crawling a bit. (laughs) Exactly. I went to actually heard him preach not long ago. Uh, He preached a message on one of the toughest passages in Deuteronomy and he did a brilliant job and he showed God's grace in it, which I was, He's he's a very good scholar. Yeah, and he's Canadian. He's from Saskatchewan. Yes. Um, um, yeah, so these are just a few. Awesome. Um, I could keep going, but uh, those are some off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, this is one we could go on and on, and it's fun to talk about. Uh, are there any particular scriptures that kind of that you find really speak to you or that you keep going back to? I know for me, one of mine has for the past couple of years has been Matthew six twenty five the do not be anxious yes, passage, right. which for me, uh, especially like I've been developing a lot of anxiety issues. So then it's even more so like, I right, try to go back to that, try to go back to that. And yes. it's one I keep getting from. So excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. I actually keep going back. Just grabbing my Bible here. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians chapter one and Ephesians chapter two. And this is some specific verses that really, um, I keep going back to um, over and over again. So kind of similar to you mm-hmm. in that um, it's my own personal life that's um, that's causing me to go back to this. And in Ephesians chapter 1, we find out our identity in Christ. It's so powerful. And it stops at the, the end of chapter 1 says that, that uh, we are, are, it says that Christ is seated... Uh, in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So you have this picture of Christ just like exalted, lifted high, um, above all authority, power, demons. Uh, he is He is all powerful. Everything's under his feet. Mm-hmm. The worst enemy that we have, uh, Satan and and his army, is under Christ's feet. Then, in chapter 2, get this. This is so amazing. In chapter 2, it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? So, we are seated with Christ. We have nothing to fear. We're seated with him. Amen. And all these things are underneath. And so when I start to be afraid um, of the enemy, and he, and he does, he attacks pastors. Oh, yeah. When, when I, and all, all of God's people. But, mm-hmm. but when he comes against me, I, I need to go back to the scripture and say, wait a second. I don't have to be afraid of him. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And I'll tell you, this is one I have to keep going back to. Amen, sir. And that's a great example, and thank you for sharing that. Also, I think that's the first time I've actually had a, a Bible busted out in the middle of the podcast. I was like, yes, this is great. <laughs> um, what? How do you find the state of the, uh, the church or the church climate? I don't know how else to say. Uh, in, in Toronto. You know, I would. this is a huge question. Yeah. And I'd say it depends um, what you define as church. There are there are a number of churches uh, that that maybe at one time were vibrant churches that, uh, in in our neighborhood here that now have become more like social clubs. Mm. So I'm not going to include those in what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Um, that's. I'm talking about 
Bible-believing churches mm-hmm. in Toronto. Um, it's interesting because Reg Bibby, about 15 years ago, uh, pollster, said that the church in the inner city, in the, in the, the church in the cities in Canada would be dead by 2015. And what he didn't, and he said this uh, in 2015, what he didn't count on was going to be all the, the new Canadians. Yeah. And so the new Canadians have actually poured life back into the churches in our church. Like I, I think I mentioned to you before the podcast, but in the last year, maybe year and a half, we've seen about 12, 13 different countries show up on our doorstep in our congregation. And uh, they speak different languages. Most of them have a basic understanding of English, but we even have people at our church that don't even speak English. <laughs> and they're coming here, and they are people of faith. They're people of prayer. Um, and they're pouring life into our church. Which is amazing. And, and so we have people from Pakistan. We have people from Afghanistan. We had a man in our church from Afghanistan who was in jail six months for having a Bible study in his home before he, he was rescued and brought to Canada. And he ended up on our church, in our church. Another young man uh, had his entire village burnt down because it was a Christian village in Pakistan. Oh, and you have some of these people in our congregation. We have people. We have a family from Kuwait. He's now a graphic designer. Uh, all these people that God's bringing to us. And, and that's not just our story. That's the story of the church the, the evangelical church in Toronto. And also we see uh, ethnic churches uh, growing, uh, Korean churches, Chinese churches, uh, our Ethiopian church that used to be uh, in our building is now doubled in size. They have and their they own were building. Al- they were already like the second largest in, I think, Ontario Yeah, when they, they were meeting here, and they've doubled? Yeah, from what I understand, they're, they're huge Oh, now. my goodness. <laughs> and so and so that's that's all, that's all another story that's developing in the, in the city here. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I would say that the... Uh, how, how do I put this properly? Politically correct. This is a politically correct <laughs> po- a podcast, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but you know, the, the ones, the, the Anglo-Saxon uh, community in Toronto, I don't see a ton of growth in. Okay. And so the white people. The <laughs> 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 on, on my street, people go to church at Christmas. Yeah. Um, we're the only ones on Sunday morning on our street that actually... Uh, that I see anyway that are going anywhere other than mowing the lawn or you know what I'm saying right. so yeah and and I love them I love our neighbors yeah but, but it's just it's it's very secularized that's interesting so I don't have a follow-up thought I'm no no like, I know so I, that's, that's just, interesting but that's yeah. my perspective and so um you know what there, there's still some very vibrant believers here at Calvary Church that are White and our yeah. Anglo-Saxon, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> I, I just had to go with the white thing. Once yeah. you're like Anglo-Saxon, I'm like, ah, oh, this is too funny not to say. Um, okay, but you know what I'm saying. No, like I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, like with the that's with that's interesting, where it's the older the people who who are born the, here. In the Canada people, who, the first here. generation, second generation Canadians, the people who have been here for like your age my age or longer that's where it's we're that's where we're diminishing from it a bit that's yeah so that part of the church i think is is not growing that fast yeah but the other the other our new canadians are are adding some vibrance to the church which i think is going to have a long-term effect well a positive effect on the church yeah and then heck some of the questions that come up for me and we may or may not get into it's like when i'm hearing stuff like that it's the churches that like that we had been at where it was just that or had been that way how much had we positively changed and grown and adapted with with the times not where it's like adapted with the times politically right but where it's like no we can incorporate other things into the service and how we worship and how we share the word and how we share the lord did we fought did those we but did the like did those Anglo-Saxon churches that did we fossilize? Did we just stop? Yeah. So and, and I yeah. don't I don't have an answer for all. No these no things. Uh, no no that I was just, just off the. I'm just I'm just watching to see what God's doing and it's pretty cool. Yeah yeah. Sorry that this is why I love the podcast the side rants and everything. Um, 
So the next one is, what are some of the ministries at, at Calvary? And you've, you've talked about this, but every church is different. Every church has different ministries, and Calvary's got a lot of awesome ones. We, uh, we have a lot of children at Calvary, and that keeps growing. And our former pastor here did a great job at um, um, really encouraging families. Yeah. And, and so that we're still building on that foundation here. Um, and the number of families still continues to grow. That youth group's about to blow up. The group, youth group already, last Sunday we had our children in youth service. And uh, for the first time, we had almost as many youth up on the stage as we did children. Wow. And so uh, it's already starting. Uh, like my tail end time here, it was we we saw the work towards the families, which yeah. was excellent. Yeah. And then I joked with the now former youth pastor. And I think I've met the the new one, Isaac. Yeah. Isaac. I've I've had the pleasure of meeting him once, and I was kind of like, this is gonna. I'm seeing the sizes when I've yeah. dipped in. I'm like, this is gonna blow up on you. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I was here, the youth group was six kids deep. Yeah. But the Sunday school was like forty five minimum right, deep. Right, right. So yeah, it keeps growing and the the nursery is just starting to, we have we have baby dedication again this Sunday. We've had a couple this fall and um there's there's a a large number of children here. And so we've started Awana. Uh, the church had Awana years ago, but it's restarted. I grew up at that. And you grew up at that. <laughs> when I saw the logo, I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, so uh Awana is strong here, very strong. Our Sunday school is very strong as well. Awesome. Um we we have we're going we're using now the Gospel Project, uh which is phenomenal curriculum. I'm I'm not trying to do a commercial here, but uh, Lifeway has has put out the most amazing curriculum that takes the kids through the entire Bible. Uh, centered around Christ starts from Genesis one goes all the way through to Revelation, and it takes about three years. And um, some of the parents are actually uh, jealous. <laughs> the kids are learning in Sunday school. No, that's and so that's uh, so, so Sunday school is packed out here. Um, we're actually doing a renovation in the basement right now to to help us with that. And uh, so Sunday school, Awana. A big, big part of our church, and then we have adult Sunday school as well, which which is really different. It's the first church I've actually been in where the adult Sunday school is is uh, vibrant, where people actually stay after church. Uh, their kids are still downstairs, and so they go to an adult class. And um, we have, I think, ten different adult classes on Sunday mornings. Goodness, um, that are some of them are quite large, and um, some of them are a little bit smaller, but. On Sunday mornings here, like almost this office gets used for our ESL class. Wow! And so, like every every nook and cranny is being used uh, on Sunday mornings here. So that's that's really exciting. And you know what? For uh, inner city church, Sundays are very important mm-hmm. because people are super busy during the week. That some of the, some people don't get home till later in the evening. That's why we do a one on Sunday nights because it's the only night of the week their parents are actually able to bring their kids. Right. And so uh, Sundays here are you know, the day for ministry. That's uh, I mean, great. we have other ministries during throughout the week, but Sundays are the main day. That's awesome. So awesome. And then, uh, so Calvary is a v- heavily involved church with missions. Yeah, it has been always. It's yeah. historically right since day one has been like that. Um, many AGC, like many older AGC churches are church up in Ottawa was the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, both churches started around the same time and uh and so that's part of our history here uh about a quarter of our budget including our facility some uh, maybe even a third of our ministry budget i'll say a quarter of our, our annual budget goes to outside these walls mm-hmm. uh they those funds leave here and go into missions in some way um some of those missions are uh, overseas, some mm-hmm. of them are are right here in Toronto and in Canada, um, but uh, we've we've always had that here. And for our new people that have come out to the church, uh, we're trying to educate them in understanding why we do what we do. So this fall, we had a a real focus on the mission of the church. Awesome, um, and what we're all about with that. Um, I serve now on the missions committee um, as as a how do they call it? Non-voting member, uh, <laughs> ex officio, something like that. Anyway, 
So, uh, but it's great to see all of the the work, and it's probably our largest committee in the church. Yeah, because they're dealing with two hundred thousand a year. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of responsibility. Oh yeah, no kidding. And like I grew up here, and I know my I think my mom's on the yeah she is she's yeah. on the missions yeah, committee she is, and. Yeah. It's, it's awesome that I love that it's involved worldwide because there's a lot of help to be had. And yeah. I love that we're like you're given a blueprint yeah. in the New Testament to do that. But I also love hearing how it's it's here as well. It's here as well. Because yeah. unfortunately, and it's not a knock, but I've just seen it where a lot with a lot of churches where it's like, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. Yeah. But then the immediate area that it's around is like, kind yeah. of being two two summers ago we we partnered with uh, operation mobilization and we had about 20 people from our church um i was involved in this team where we were trained in the morning and then in the afternoon we go out and we do ministry to different ethnic groups and uh, dundas square and all these different things and we knocked on every door in this entire community uh and Thorn we went over to thorncliffe park and knocked on doors there and it was really uh, eye-opening experience for people in our congregation and mm-hmm. the training they received actually the, the experience that they had in knocking on doors and talking to people I think was even greater than the training mm-hmm. um, in that they started to see their community through different eyes yeah yeah and that's one thing I do I um, twice or three times a year I just go up and down the streets and put in postcards in people's mailbox just telling them like colorful postcards of things that are going on in our church. Oh, that's great. And I don't know if those people ever come. Maybe some of them do, but I want them to understand that there is a church in their community that that has something for them. Yeah. We're not, like, not here for them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome and excellent. And our flyers that we give out, it says, welcome to your church <laughs> instead of our church. Yeah. Because I don't want it to be us and them. No, no, and that's, oh, that's great. One young lady, she was... It's really interesting. I, I went up to her uh, just down the street from us. I went up and she was a young artist mm-hmm. and uh, dressed like an artist. <laughs> I don't even know how, how I knew that. I, I knew before even I started talking said, to her that she was an artist. It's like, oh, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> anyway, uh, I told her about our church and she said, oh. She said, I, I, it's really good that your church is here in our neighborhood. And I said, why? She said, it's it's it forms some kind of an anchor here hmm. and I thought that's got an interesting perspective I don't think she's ever come here hmm. um, she's she, in fact she even told me she said I'm, I'm, I'm not a Christian I'm I'm agnostic right you know? and I don't think she's an atheist I think she said she was an agnostic but she but the fact that she even said that there's something valuable about us being here uh, really yeah it really kind of impacted me that's awesome so then, sorry, that was a, I was wrapped up in that story and it was really good. Um, what do you feel is a difficulty faced by the church today? Hmm. This is a question I always yeah, ask and, and I, you always get different answers. Yeah, I honestly, just in the last little while, I think it's the lack of prayer. Hmm. I think I really think it is. I, 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 and it's not, it's not that we don't really believe in prayer. Maybe we don't believe that God answers specifically specific prayers hmm. uh, maybe it's lack of faith I don't know what it is because I think if we actually believe that God answered specific prayers we would pray more hmm. and and uh, it's it's basically I, I know people are praying don't get me wrong people pray in their small groups and they we have a small prayer meeting that meets here on Thursday afternoons and um, they pray for the ministry they pray for the missions and they're they're very faithful um, we had a prayer gathering a couple of Sunday nights ago, and I was so encouraged because we actually had about 60, 70 people show up. And and it was very, very exciting time to be praying for Christmas and for just the mission of the church. And and so, but I thought to myself, that's, like, that doesn't happen very often. No. And I, I mean, part of that, I put my own shoulders as the as a pastor here. Um, but I would like to really continue to encourage our congregation and, and the church in Toronto in general to be praying. Yeah. Um, you, you hear stories of other pastors in other parts of the world um, uh, where, like Korea, where prayer is just so huge yeah. and, and how the church has just exploded in some mm-hmm. of these areas of the world. And, and so I think 
think there's more to that than it's not a formula prayer. It's it's actually a, it's a relationship prayer, obviously, with with the Lord. Yeah. But um, you know, some of these places they have people who get up at four in the morning before they go to work, and they go to a prayer garden and they pray. And I know there was I know there was a Korean prayer garden up by my mom's by my grandma's house up in Brooklyn, Ontario, uh, near Whitby there. Wow. And uh, and that's what they would do before they went to work in the morning. And and so. Um, we do pray. I'm not saying we don't pray. No, no, no. But it's, but I mean, I think there's something there, there's something missing there. Is it like how we're how we're praying? Where there's not it's not like there's a formula, but no. where if we're not we're not actually being faithful, or it's we're in very western westernized area where it's uh, what we're praying for. We're expecting to see material results, or Could be. and most most of the prayer requests we get, to be honest, are are for physical health. Mm-hmm. I think there's there's a lot more we need to be praying about. I yeah, mean, physical health is is certainly significant, but there's so many more things that we can be praying about. Mm-hmm. Um, spiritual health, I think, is much more important. Yeah, yeah, that and that's that's interesting. So thanks for asking that that question because it really made me think, you know. And I appreciated that answer because I'll be straight up, one of the reasons I ask the same questions is I know I'm going to get, if not a completely different answer, a different perspective on one of the same answers, but I've never ever gotten that answer from the podcast interviews or for from the couple years where I was doing the text-based interviews and as you're saying that, I'm just sitting there like, wow, no, that's 100% correct. And now I'm going through how I treat prayer. So thank you for that. Uh, that was a little bit of God speaking to me right there. So I just got one of those grace-filled drop kicks, or as a buddy Dave from St. Clair puts it, pile drivers. Uh, <laughs> so call back. Uh, yeah, no, that was thank you. What are some of the ways you see the Lord at work in Canada? I've kind of probably mentioned some of it yeah. already. Um, uh, ethnic um, immigration, uh, Christians coming to our country who love Christ and and who are teaching us about prayer. But also, I've seen something else recently, and that's millennials who love Jesus. And ah, uh, the and, group of us that get smacked down a lot for avocado toast. <laughs> you know what? Sorry, I just I, had I, to. My my son took a year off college to go to Bible college for one year, and I just got the chance to to uh, peer in at what was going on there. And yeah. I was so impressed. I was so impressed with these young, this younger generation who loves the Lord, who are acting very different than I did when I was in Bible college. So this group of students, they go out into the community. Get this. They go out, they leave the Bible college grounds, they go out in the community, and they minister in the community. I was thinking, hey, we didn't do that. We, we were just like in a little fortress there. Yeah. And <laughs> last Christmas, last Christmas, they, uh, the students. There's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge to anybody who likes Superman, a fortress of solitude. Yes. Sorry, I just had to. <laughs> uh, th- what happened last Christmas, uh, my son's school, he was at Heritage. Um, uh, they, they actually went out caroling and they ended up, um, they ended up, one of the students said yeah, to the president, the president was with them and said, yeah, I think we should go into this bar and sing. And he's just like, he's just like, okay, <laughs> if that's what you think God's calling guys to do. So they went and they sang and there was, there was people in there that, um, that uh, were so impacted that the relationship is still going on. That's excellent. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I see them doing stuff like that. I see them going out, raking leaves. They went out and raked leaves for seniors in the community, and and this is okay. That's a Bible college, but it's it's not just a Bible college. I'm seeing it among uh, young millennials who love Christ and who are making a huge impact. You know, they they get knocked down sometimes by saying, uh, "Well, they think that they can they can change the world." Well, maybe they can. Maybe they can yeah. change the world. You know, yeah. and so I, I um. I'm, I'm just really encouraged to see um, some of these younger people really taking faith seriously and um, making a difference, making yeah. a huge difference. So that's that's encouraging for me to that's, see that. And and I, I, meet, I, I mean, there's the move-in teams and there's all these others that I've run into recently that, 
that just are making a huge impact for Christ. And so that's that's been a real encouragement for me. So Daniel, um, what has been your biggest struggle as a person in pastoral ministry? I've had a lot of struggle. Um, watching and experiencing conflict um, in churches. Mm. And so um, I've actually seen conflict unravel decades of ministry in church overnight just like unravel completely a ministry and uh you know there's there's a reason in scripture why jesus and uh, the bible deals with so harshly with um conflict Mm -hmm. right lack of unity in the church and so and paul pleads with people you know to come together Mm -hmm. and and when there's conflict, there's like a blueprint of how we're supposed to do it. Exactly. And so, and so I, I've seen both the worst of that and I've seen the best. Okay. So I don't want to go too much into the worst part because yeah. I don't want people to realize what church I'm talking about. Yeah. But, um, it's not Calvary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, in another one of our churches I was in, we had something called a Peacemaker's Pledge. Okay. That went through the principles from Matthew chapter 18 uh, Ken Sandy is the author of a book called The Peacemaker, mm-hmm. and he has a whole course on making peace. But basically, it was a one-pager that had all of the steps to peace when there was conflict. Mm-hmm. And then new members had to sign it, uh, Sunday school teachers, anybody who was involved in ministry had to sign it. Yeah, And um, it was such a great training tool, and it was also something we could pull out and say, do you remember when you promised that you're going to do this? We had the paper youth promise, right. where it was the thing with, in violation of the rules or anything, it, similar yeah. thing. We could bring it up and be like, "We're in violation of this." Right. We had it with the volunteers. I had to fill the thing out when I was running it, and yeah. the youth, everybody through, had to sign off on it. Yeah. So, so I found that to be a really helpful deterrent, at least. Um, but the Bible has specific rules for conflict on purpose because what happens is things spread so fast mm-hmm. and the enemy, Satan, who is our enemy, if he can destroy church, this is how he'll do it. He will do it through conflict. Mm. And he will get a wedge in between people and start to push that wedge in and tell them to become angry with each other and they won't let it go, right? Mm-hmm. So so I've seen that happen in in a church, um, and and uh, as I said, um, testimony of that church was destroyed overnight. Oh, jeez. <sighs> so anyhow, that's, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that uh, um, that's been my biggest struggle mm. uh, watching that. And I'm, you know, I'm a very peace loving man. Very much so. Um, but what I'll say to you is that if you want to see me jump into a situation quickly, and and um, and be maybe a bit severe is when I see people fighting. Right. And then I'll just say, okay, time out. You guys are not going to leave my office until you're shaking hands. No, I won't, I won't go that far. But but I, I've had to do that recently and just say to people, you know what? Do not be, I used to say this when I was a youth pastor, do not be the tool that Satan uses to divide this youth group. Nice. And I would say that in a church too. Do not yeah. be the tool that, that Satan uses to divide this church. So... Nice. Um, it is something I'm a little bit more severe about, um, but that, it's because of experience. Well, yeah, no, and that's that's not bad. I mean, we're told not to essentially go to bed. Well, the sunset, let the sunset on our anger. Yes, and, and that was a rule in my house growing up. So my dad and my mom, they would not go to sleep, and sometimes it took them a long time to get to bed. Until <laughs> <laughs> We are the morning, but they would never go to sleep angry with each other. That was a rule in our house. Wow. And so maybe it's maybe some of that's carried over into ministry as well. So. Which isn't bad. That's yeah. that, To me, that sounds like a great thing. So as our final question, as we're, uh, we're wrapping up, what would you say to someone thinking about pursuing a vocational career? And I did the bunny ears. Yep. Uh, in ministry. And I'd say this not just to people in vocational ministry, but I'd say it to everyone, but specifically those who are going to vocational ministry. One of the biggest mistakes I ha- that happened to me when I was in Bible school is I began to believe that um, because I was in the Word, studying for papers and studying for 
exams and talks that I was doing um, that I really didn't need a personal devotional time. Yeah. And so uh, that, that I, I started going downhill. In fact, some of my lowest moments spiritually were actually when I was in Bible college and um, because of that. And so when I got into ministry, I started realizing that this is my lifeline. Yeah. And so um, I'll be honest with you, like almost every day, I, I can't say every single day, but almost every day I start by journaling, by reading uh, scripture, by praying, by I read, by, I pray back some of the scripture mm. that I'm reading if it's applying to me right then. And that is my lifeline. And when I don't do that, to be honest with you, things just don't go the same. Yeah. Uh, I don't have that connection. And, you know, there's the reason why Jesus said in John chapter 15, uh, stay connected to the vine. Mm-hmm. Stay. That's that's your life source. And so in those going into vocational ministry, it doesn't matter what you're studying. If you're not spending that time with intimacy with Christ, um, it's useless. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely useless. And so I, um, I would say that's – and I'm just preaching to myself because it's always a challenge. Life gets so busy and uh, sometimes you sleep in and you think, oh, yeah. well, today I'm just going to I'm just going to have to just go. Yeah. Right? And then and then you think why? Like yeah. why why couldn't you spend that extra half hour just in the quietness, right? Yeah. And so uh, so that's that's what I'm saying um, uh, our AGC Here's a little plug for the agency. Hey, we just have our, Tom our, talking about it. <laughs> our, our Doctrine and Credentials Committee, uh, they're, they're infamous for doing this. So when they're interviewing new pastors for mm-hmm. um, their ministry credentials, one of the things they, they catch people off guard doing this, I'm just I'm just uh, giving you some insight here. One of the things they ask you right up front is, what did you learn in your in your quiet time this morning? Right when you walk, like when you start. Dang. They'll say, what did you learn in your quiet time this morning? And I've seen, I've seen candidates just go, their faces just go pale, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm think if I'm in that situation, I'm thinking of myself, where it'd be like, if I had a day of an interview, my quiet time might have been prayer yes. on the way in, yeah, like a quick prayer because I'm just stressed out yeah. about the interview. Yeah. And so it's not they did gonna... that to me. So they wow. did that to me when I was interviewing. They never do it when I was in the other denomination that I was in before this one, but. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've seen it happen several times and, and they've done that. They did that to me and I was just like, and actually, praise God, I actually was in my Bible that morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I was able to, it took me a second to remember what it was too. I was, I remember just like stopping and thinking. Like, I got caught off guard by this. What, what did I, yeah. what did I read about this morning? What, what did, you know, and, or, or another question they have for you is this. They say, what has God uh, taught you recently? Mm. about yourself or you know things that's something that he's spoken specifically to you about through his word mm. and so um, I like that question because it really refocuses the candidate on what's really important mm. you know if we come in with all the right theological answers and Bible content we, we score 100% on Bible content questions and yet one candidate that we had said he hadn't he couldn't remember the last time he spent time in, in his quiet time with Jesus. Yeah. And so we were just like, oh, great. Um, guess what? Yeah. You have to get that in order before you come back to us. Yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm saying that's, and I'm, like I said, I'm preaching to myself. Oh, no, you're preaching to me as well. So that's. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very important one. And it, for whatever reason, it seems like the one that's easiest to to forget about, to forget about, yeah. or let slip, or let the busyness. Well, actually, I had a Bible college professor actually say that to us in, in Bible college. Say, um, when I was in my undergrad, saying, you know what, you don't really need to be having that quiet time with the Lord if you're studying for an exam or studying for a message, because you can just use that time. And I, I actually, for some reason, I believed him, and I just thought, you know what, that sounds right. Mm. And uh, but it didn't go well for me at all. It went terrible. Like I started <laughs> slipping so much spiritually. And it's also well, and it, not to throw them under the bus, but when a person in a position of authority, especially at a Bible college, and maybe it worked for is, him. Yeah, maybe he would open up his the Word, and when he went to, before he started studying it, he would have that time with the Lord. Maybe he did, but for me, for I, I, I didn't hear him properly, or something happened. It's, right? It's for it, it works differently for different people. Yeah. I know with uh, for my quiet time for a while, especially when I was here, 
Um, like I'd come in 10, 15 minutes before food bank or before yep. pay booth and, or I'd come in half an hour early and for, I'd try to go for at least 10, 15 minutes. Some days sit in silence yep. at other times, the silence wouldn't work for me yep. because that's where my mind would just go. And I'm like, you know what, to help me focus, I'm going to throw on some Lecrae. I'm going to throw on a 50, like a chunk of a, a Driscoll or a Chandler sermon, something where it's the background noise, but it's helping me get in that zone. But that doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I would say for me, um, writing. I have, mm. to have a pen in my hand and I have to do writing. So I, I look at a passage of scripture and all of a sudden something would jump out at me. I yeah. Think, okay, I got to write this down. And then it, the writing, writing it down turns into, ends up pr- turning into a prayer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all, and it, it's very personal to me. I don't ever let anyone else read my journal, but it no. is, you know, it's, it's personal to what I'm going through. And, so I would say that's that's a it, it can it can look at all different ways, but yeah. you need to be spending that time. Awesome. All right, Daniel, thank you so much for uh, for taking this time with us. I know it's a busy day. You're doing some uh, sermon prep and Sunday prep today, so I thank you for taking some time out of that because that's a big time thing. Um, yeah, and great to reconnect with you, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. I will. Uh, like I said earlier, I will make sure I link up the. Uh, the uh, Calvary sermon series that's on YouTube at the bottom of this post. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for helping us cross 100 downloads and reaching new milestones. Have a very Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm praying for y'all. And uh, God bless, my friends. Take care.